You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 501 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is New Year's Eve evening, I suppose, on New Year's Eve after the Hawks fell at the hands of the Indiana Pacers by a final score of 116 to 108. And a pretty entertaining game. We'll talk more about that, obviously. I do want to plug our our most recent episode. If you somehow missed it, it was episode 500 featuring an interview with Travis Schlenk, the Hawks general manager. So please go back and listen to that. Please tell your friends. Please share. um, Subscribe. We'll do all that fun stuff. I really, really appreciate that. But um, of course, the task at hand today is to talk about what happened here. And I wanted to get this in under the wire before the calendar flipped to 2019 officially. So a little bit of a uh, quicker episode than normal, and hopefully uh, as, as people go out this evening or do whatever they're going to do on this fine Monday, they will uh, be able to listen to the podcast. So here we go to talk about what transpired in this game. Before we get to the game, though, I do want to at least briefly mention, since I didn't ha- have a chance to cover this before, the Kent Bazemore injury news hit um, in between podcasts, and I'd already recorded with Travis. So, um, you know, one of those things where it's not great, obviously. You know, Bazemore left, left the game um, on Saturday in the third quarter with a right ankle sprain. Uh, he got an MRI on Sunday, and uh, he... Uh, Later, later on that day, the Hawks announced that he will be reevaluated in approximately two weeks. That was the standard uh, line from Atlanta. As we've seen with Torian Prince and others, a reevaluation timetable does not mean that he'll be back in two weeks. It's something I always try to say over and over again, but it's worth repeating now. I would not project him to return in two weeks. Maybe he will, but maybe he won't, and uh, we'll see what happens there. There are obviously some trade deadline implications when it comes to Baysmore. He's someone who's been uh, a popular name in trade, in trade stuff, and really just more importantly for the Hawks right now, He's playing great. I've long said that I think he's been playing some of, the, some of his best basketball of his career um, before the injury. You know, he had a 10-game stretch before the injury where he was averaging 19 points a game with great efficiency and just kind of playing grand both ends of the floor. And his absence leaves the Hawks really shallow on the wing, uh, especially with Torian Prince out still. You know, Prince does not appear to be super close. You know, Schlenk sort of mentioned on the podcast with me over the weekend that he thinks Pierce will be missing. Sorry, Prince will be missing a little bit more time as well. So if you're going without your, you know, your, your incumbent two starting wings for a while, that will uh, put the Hawks in a rough spot. Obviously, they do have Kevin Herter, they do have DeAndre Bembry, as we saw in this game. They have other guys, Daniel Hamilton, Tyler Dorsey, but the depth is not great on the wing without Bazemore, and especially without Bazemore and Prince playing together. So, you know, nothing good about that. You know, Bazemore's a very, very key cog. Obviously not the youngest guy in the world, probably not, not probably not going to be on, on the next great Hawks team necessarily, but a very, very important piece that the Hawks will be without now for a few weeks at a minimum. The other thing that I wanted to mention on the pod is that uh, Amari Spellman was sent to the G League over the weekend. He actually played seven minutes last week in a spot where the Hawks almost had to play him because they didn't really have enough bodies. But even before that game, uh, Lloyd Pierce noted that conditioning was going to be an issue for Spellman. He missed all that time with the hip, and as a result of the, uh, that of where that injury is, you know, conditioning is going to be uh, the first thing to suffer for Spellman. That's something that's plagued him even going back to college. But um, being able unable to train really with that hip injury uh, sort of sort of set him back. I'd imagine he did have a really good game actually uh, on Monday afternoon in the G League. He had 28 points and 14 rebounds and five threes. Uh, he was actually five of 12 from three in Erie. Erie plays a pretty interesting, fun, um, fast-paced style sort of a Maury Ball, um, you know, de- very, very modern game, and Spelman fits into that very well. So good to see him play well in that spot. I don't think that, um, you know, 
according to Chris with more of the AJC, um, there's no timetable stated, at least from the Hawks and on, on Spellman's returning. Uh, Pierce did allude to the fact that Julie could be a possibility when, when he talked about Spellman last week. So no huge surprise that he's playing in Erie for a while, uh, potentially. And, and honestly, it's probably good. And just getting him more playing time at the moment, the Hawks have, um, you know, they didn't have Debman in this game. But once Debman returns, if he does in the near future, you'll have you have Collins, you have Len, you have Debman, you have Poitras, you have Vince Carter. There are options there, and Spellman is probably best suited playing minutes and getting back into shape. So that'll be a good stuff to see him uh, down there in Erie. Obviously, a pretty good start for him. Just something I wanted to note there. Also, kind of amusingly, the Hawks sent um, Alex Poitras to Erie as well on Sunday and then brought him back on Monday. It was definitely curious timing um, in terms of Poitras because of the fact that Deadman was uh, uh, listed as doubtful and then obviously missed the game on Monday afternoon. So I think it was pretty clear they brought him back because Deadman was unable to go and they actually needed him in this spot. Poitras played real minutes on Monday afternoon. So only four, but he was there and played in the first half and uh, et cetera, et cetera. It was sort of an insurance policy, but because of his 45-day clock and the two-way stuff, there's reason to not have him with the big league club if he's not actually just actively playing games so that would be the reason for that presumably and we'll see how long he sticks in Atlanta especially if Deadman is able to play on Wednesday when the Hawks are back at it against the Wizards. With that said, we can get into the game itself now, and we'll talk about this spot. Um, before the game even started, it was sort of a, a schedule loss up there for the Hawks. They had played, obviously, the back-to-back on Friday and Saturday night, and this would be three games in four days. Of course, in the, a- in the afternoon tip-off, that doesn't do them any favors. A road game against a red-hot Pacers team that's now won 12 of 14 after this spot. They were 13-point underdogs. Uh, no injuries for the Pacers, although they did, they did actually have one during the game when Miles, when Miles Turner left the contest, but... On paper, a really tough matchup for the Hawks, and it proved out to be that way. Um, they actually started Daniel Hamilton at the two, which was a mild surprise, I think. Um, not a huge one for me, just because um, Lloyd Pierce has been very, very consistent in talking about how they like DeAndre Bembry in his reserve role. Um, it was not a surprise to anyone, I think, that Bembry played more minutes than Hamilton. Bembry played starters minutes. He played 28 minutes in this game. That does not surprise me. But uh, just having the, that staggered rotation is not um, wasn't something that was uh, crazy. I know a lot, a lot of Hawks fans were really kind of flustered by that. I wouldn't be. I think Bembry is clearly, you know, going to play the starters minutes as long as uh, Bazemore and Prince are out. But they might stick with Hamilton. They might go with Anderson. They might go with you know Dorsey. Whatever they want to do. But they, Pierce seems to like Bembry in that role, and I can't really blame him for that. But he's going to be playing a lot of minutes, as we saw in this game. Uh, early on, the Hawks actually played very well. They, they were off to a twenty to thirteen um, lead in the in the game. They shot eight of twelve from the floor and four of five from three at the outset. Uh, a trio of threes from Trey Young, Kevin Herter, and John Collins, who all made their first attempts. Um, um, that was pretty interesting to note. Uh, Trey had uh, actually opened up two of two from the, from three with three assists in the first six minutes. So a, a lot of momentum going on for the Hawks, kind of surprisingly. Sort of the kitchen sink came out, and they played really well early on. Um, then order was kind of restored with a 17-1, to <laughs> yes, yeah, 17-1 to run from the Pacers to take a lead up 30-21. Uh, up so basically, you know, it's sort of your typical tale of two halves but within the same quarter. Um, it was pretty crazy to see the back and forth there. The Hawks only scored five points in the final 6.09 of the first quarter. And while they shot the ball actually reasonably well in that period, uh, Indiana was fantastic offensively. They shot 57% from the floor and a, had a, a 143 offensive rating in the first quarter. The Hawks did briefly go to a two-point guard look that I wanted to reference. They actually played uh, Lynn and Young together. Not a ton, but some in the first quarter. They went to Justin Anderson at the three with that lineup for some defensive purposes. And more importantly, I think think to note the Hawks played all 12 all 12 of their available players and that's all the guys they have because of the injury stuff and the G League stuff they had 12 guys available they all played in the first quarter and that was kind of crazy because of the fact that it was not like not like they were, they were getting killed the Hawks were leading this game early and they only lost the quarter by eight but played all 12 guys that's something that you don't normally see I will say um, the Hawks then scored the first five of the second quarter which is uh, obviously a pretty uh, 
a pretty nice response after the way that the first quarter ended. But um, Trey Young was actually called for sort of a weird hook foul against against Thad Young. That was his third foul at the at the ten oh eight mark of the first half. He didn't play the rest of the way, and now. I know a lot of times uh, a guy with three fouls is going to sit the rest of the half, so I understand that it is uh, worth noting. I said this in the moment, but you know Trey only had three fouls the entire game after playing you know more than twenty minutes in the second half. Um, yeah, not, not not a huge surprise to me there. I was a little bit. I think Nate Duncan said this first, um, so I'll uh, I'll credit him for that. But I would have liked to see Young come back in. I understand they, that they have Lynn and he played the rest of the half. He played the rest of the half and was fine for the most part, but. Um, Given where the Hawks are and playing young, and the fact that he uh, he entered this game averaging 1.6 fouls per game on the season, he's not really a threat to foul out. So I would have liked to see him come back. Not not a huge thing, just something I wanted to at least put out there and note that he only finished the game with three fouls despite missing that entire pretty much the entire second quarter. Uh, still, the uh, Pacers had a 7-0 run to go up by 12, and the Hawks, to their credit, had a 10-0 run right back to get back within two. Um, the Hawks actually actually took the lead with about four minutes to go in the first half. Uh, a very interesting back and forth at the end of the first half with a missed goaltending call pretty blatantly on a Jeremy Lin layup attempt, and that turned into a buzzer-beating three from Miles Turner at the, end of the, at the end of the half to put Indiana up by three, where the Hawks could have easily been up by two in their own right at the end of the first half. That was sort of a, a momentum swing that I wanted to point out. The Hawks were actually pretty good offensively in the first half. With 45% from the floor, 44% from three, only six turnovers, and made a 125 offensive rating before halftime. So to be losing after playing that well offensively is not the greatest thing in the world. They uh, they really were really good on the offensive glass in this game. They actually set a, a team high for the season with 21 offensive rebounds. They had 12 of those in the first half. That was huge in generating second shots, second shots, and just. Um, more field goal attempts. You know, the Hawks attempted 11 more shots than the Pacers did in this game, despite losing by eight points. And that was the reason why they were really able to hang around for uh, for the most part in this spot. Still defensively, that was they had a lot of trouble stopping the Pacers throughout the game, especially in the first half. And uh, that ended up proving to be the difference. Um, there was a, a sort of a disjointed start to the third quarter. Uh, the Pacers had a 13-6 run, but it actually took a long time to unfold. They went up by 10 as a result of that. It was actually a really nice defensive play by Trey Young, which is something I want to point out because they were they don't happen they don't happen all the, all that often. Trey's not been a great defensive player so far, but a three on one fast break that he stopped with a steal, a pretty easy play. It was actually kind of a bad pass by the Pacers, but still a, a nice play that Young made. Um, he's definitely uh, has some heads up instincts in, in the open, in the open floor defensively, and that was one thing that you wanted to at least see from him in that spot. Uh, Trey may, actually made his first three threes and had a great bounce pass to Alex Lynn for a layup that I included in the recap. It was just a fantastic pass. Um, the Hawks were able to get back within five brief in the third quarter before a uh, an 8-0 run by the Pacers to go back go back up by 11 was kind of a big moment and then another 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 8-0 run after that from Indiana two separate 8-0 runs in the uh, period uh kind of keyed the Pacers to a 34-21 advantage in the third quarter the Hawks were 7-19 from the floor with six turnovers in the third quarter that's not great obviously and the Pacers were lights out 12-22 from the floor and 6 of 11 from three in the third that actually proved to be the biggest thing the Hawks did make a nice comeback I will say in the fourth quarter Outscoring the Pacers by a 27 to 19 mar- margin. Um, part of that was Miles Turner leaving the game with a, a broken nose. He's actually headbutt. He actually headbutted John Collins and uh, took the brunt of that himself. There was a chance for the Hawks to get back within nine at, at the 7-11 mark. Then Alex Len missed both free throws. It seemed like it was going to be over at that point. But you know, credit to the Hawks getting getting things back into a very interesting territory down the stretch. There was a nice three from Trey Young at the five minute mark to get get it back within 10. The Hawks pushed it down to within uh, seven points with four, under four to go. And really had a chance um, in a two possession game and. In the last minute and a half or so, a couple of bad turnovers from Trey Young down the stretch, and a couple of missed threes from both Young and Herder, and then the sort of the right team won here. Obviously, 
Indiana let this game get closer than they probably wanted to, but the Hawks had a nice flourish, and again, pretty, you know, credit to the Hawks all season long, really, for just kind of battling when they don't have to, necessarily. They could have packed it in when they were down 18 early in the fourth, but they came back, got within 4-5, or five, and um, made it interesting down the stretch. So, um, just sort of big picture stuff before we get into the individual play in this game. Uh, Indiana had a 120 offensive rating, and that was kind of the difference here. They shot 50, 50, 50% from the floor, 46% from three, and had 29 assists. Um, you know, Indiana was, was really good. Uh, Victor Oladipo is great. He's very, he's an all-star level player. He had 22-7-5. Um, Miles Turner was really good before he got injured. Sabo was really good as well. 20 points and 8 rebounds. They just have good talent. They play well together. And again, they are red hot right now. They have won 12 of 14 games. And two of and, and, uh, and both of their losses in that stretch were actually pretty controversial with some officiating blunders. So they could easily have been uh, riding a 14-game winning streak. They're really, really good. So no... no uh, no shame in losing to the Pacers by eight points on the road. That's not a bad performance from the Hawks, all told. Uh, offensively for the Hawks, pretty decently, actually. A 111, a 111.5 offensive rating is pretty solid for Atlanta. They didn't make a ton of field goals, but um, 21 offensive rebounds, again, season high for the Hawks, and 13 of 32 from three. That will win a lot of games for you normally. Um, some good shooting there. 24 assists after uh, 15 in the first half. That's kind of a disappointment in the second half. Only nine, but still a pretty decent offensive performance. 17 turnovers is probably too many, but not, not egregious. Uh, aside from Trey Young's eight, everybody else was kind of kind of solid honestly in terms of uh, ball protection and we'll talk more about individual play but just a nice solid across the board effort from the Hawks in this game despite the 8 point loss and that's kind of where we'll leave it for now uh, one brief uh, announcement and slash, and just a, slash reminder, I should say, to subscribe to the podcast. Again, I mentioned, I mentioned before we had Travis Slank on. That was a big deal for me. I was proud of that one. I don't always uh, pump out stuff necessarily as a self-promotional tool, but I was a big fan of that podcast. So uh, thanks to Travis for coming on. Please subscribe to that as well as the entire Lifetime Podcast Network. It'd be huge if you would check it out. And please subscribe, tell your friends, do all that fun stuff. After the short break, we will come back and talk about the individual play in this game. Okay, and we're back to talk about the individual play, as we always do. We'll start on the bench in this game. It's kind of an ugly performance from the bench as a uh, overall tool. I mentioned before they played. Everybody played in the first quarter. A couple of guys never really returned. Tyler Dorsey and, and Alex Porter only played four minutes each. Dorsey got three points. It was his first game since uh, since December sorry December 16th for Dorsey after he missed a couple of games with personal reasons, came back and wasn't playing. Um, you know, he, he wasn't bad by, by any means. It only, took, only took three shots. was one, one of three and got to the free throw line for one make. Three points, two rebounds for Dorsey. He was fine in his small amount of time. Save for Poitras, he was pretty quiet, zero points and a rebound, committed a foul, didn't, they actually didn't take a shot, so not, not too much to talk about when, with regard to Poitras or Dorsey in this spot. Justin Anderson actually played a little bit less than I would have thought. Three points, and actually hit a pretty big three in the fourth quarter to uh, key the Hawks back to a, I believe that, I believe that three cut, cut the lead back to eight. It was pretty uh, a pretty big shot in the moment, but um, not, not a ton going on there for Anderson. Just played his defense as he normally does, but didn't do too much offensively. Uh, elsewhere, Vince Carter had a struggle in this spot. Um, he was really good, obviously, with a season high the other night, but uh, zero points, zero for seven from the floor, zero for four from three, and uh, that kind of tells the story about Vince. When he's not making shots, it's kind, of t- it's kind of tough to play him in a lot of ways, but 17 minutes, scoreless, five rebounds, an assist, and a steal, so he was was out there competing, but uh, the shots just didn't fall for Vince, and that's kind of uh, telling the story for him. Uh, Miles Plumley, two for four from the floor, four points, two rebounds, and two assists. Did have one memorable bad air ball in the fourth quarter that I have to mention and point out. It was a pretty uh, pretty staggeringly bad attempt for an, for an NBA player, but aside from that, Plumley was actually pretty pretty solid for the most part. I thought uh, Jeremy Lin, not his best game in the world either, seven points. 
Three rebounds, two assists, and a block shot for Lynn. Had a turnover and five fouls. He actually got in foul trouble as well. I mentioned before that uh, that Young left the game in the second quarter with three fouls. Um, Lynn got three at the end of the, at the end of the second quarter as well. Ended up with five in 20 minutes. He was one of seven from the floor, zero of one from three. Didn't get to the line. Made all five of his free throws. So nice steady atmosphere atmosphere in some ways there. But he was minus 13, a game worst for the Hawks in his time on the floor. Just not one of his better performances. Like it wasn't like Lynn was was a disaster, but he wasn't necessarily very good by his normal. Standards. And finally, DeAndre Bembry, four points, six rebounds, three steals, two blocks, a, an assist, and two turnovers. The defense is kind of where he hangs his hat a lot of the time. That was definitely the case here. He was uh, pretty good on that end of the floor, but the shooting was not great. Two of eight from the floor, 0 of two from three. A pretty typical Bembry game in some ways, other than the sort of more uh, more inefficiency than you would normally see. But he was just solid defensively, not not great offensively. And again, the entire bench, not a lot to talk about in the positive way. There it wasn't like it was a complete disaster again, but not too much going on there. To the starters, uh, Daniel Hamilton was a starter, which is interesting to talk about, but eight points, six rebounds, three assists. I thought Hamilton played pretty well, honestly. Four of eight from the floor, 0 of two from three. Didn't do anything like particularly explosively, but 16 minutes, he was pretty efficient. Uh, all eight points in the second half. I thought he was pretty pretty, pretty fine, honestly. It wasn't like he was bad. Um, Hamilton is not a typical starting player in the NBA, which is something I have to point out. Like I do think, you know, for instance... Anderson's a better player than Hamilton. Uh, I think Dorsey might be a better player than Hamilton. If you, uh, it's definitely up for debate there. But obviously, and obviously Bembry as well. But Hamilton will be playing. It, it appears for the next uh, foreseeable future. So we'll see how he looks. And I thought he was pretty solid in the spot. Um, elsewhere, Alex Lynn had a big game: nineteen point seven rebounds, two steals. Sorry, two assists, one steal, one block for for Lynn in twenty five minutes. He was not. He's not been great finishing finishing around the rim recently. He's been able to do it, but not terribly efficiently. But still had nineteen and seven. That's pretty productive in twenty five minutes. He was eight of sixteen from the floor, 0 of two from three, three of seven from the line, including a couple of big misses in the fourth. But I thought Lynn was was actually pretty effective. It's good to see him playing well. Uh, John Collins, another double-double. That's six in a row for him. 22 points, 16 rebounds, four assists, no turnovers. He was really good in this spot. Defensively, there were some moments where it was pretty clear he was not great in this game. I think Nate Duck was pointing out those a, a couple times as well, uh, as well as good friend of the program, Jeff Siegel. You know, John's offensive game has been very, very good. Obviously, he's been super efficient. 8-15 from the floor here. Made, made two threes in this game, which is nice to see. Shooting the ball confidently from three is always what you want to see from John Collins. 4-4 four, 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 four from the free throw line as well. You know, again, I, I have no quibbles with 22-16. and 16. It's obviously a fantastic game for John, but defensively, you see sometimes why people are a little bit skeptical of him somewhat, but still, a very productive and a very nice game for John Collins. Uh, Trey Young, 16 points, 7 re- sorry, 16.7 assists, 4 rebounds, and 3 steals for, for Young. 6 of 10 from the floor, 4 of 6 from 3. Good, good to see him making shots, shooting the ball confidently. He continues to shoot the ball a lot better over the last 10, 12, 15 games. He's been a much, much better as a shooter, which is what you want to see. The one black mark, though, eight turnovers. That's going to be too many, obviously. I'm willing to give him, you know, four or five within games is actually kind of okay with the way with the way that he's used and how often the ball's in his hands, but eight, obviously too many. That's one thing you have to at least point out. I thought Young was actually pretty good in this game despite the turnovers, but that's just too many. There's no way, there's no way around that. The shooting though is good. The passing was elite at times. There were at least two or three just head-turning incredible passes in this game, as there almost always are with Trey Young, but the turnovers have to come down and uh, it has to be pointed out. Uh, last but not least, Kevin Herter with his career high in this game. 22 points for Kevin Herter. Six of nine from three. That was also, a, I believe, a career high for him as well. Um, eight of 15 from the floor. I thought he was great as a shooter, as he almost almost always is, but two assists and a block shot for Kevin. I thought he was pretty solid across the board, but the shooting was obviously the big pop stat in this game, and uh, he was really, really good. So um, one of those things, and uh, you know, Herter was good, and 
you know, the shooting is what it is. Obviously, he, he had a couple of big haymakers in the in the uh, third and fourth quarters as well. I can't really talk too much more about that. It's just one of those things where he can really shoot it. Um, oh, also, also had a great dunk in this game, which I, I can't believe I didn't say it before, but uh, Herter had his best dunk of his NBA career, sort of cocked one back and uh, threw it down with, with some authority. He's obviously a really good athlete, and he showed that on that play. So, uh, you know, com- combine six threes with that with a thunder dunk, and you have a really nice game for Kevin Herter, and uh, shouts to him on that one. So, that'll do it for today's podcast. I know a little bit shorter than normal, but again, sort of a, it was an entertaining game in a lot of ways, um, but, you know, the end result was an eight-point loss on the road to Indiana. That's kind of what you expected. The, the line was, uh, you know, 12, 12 or 13, but the Hawks, the Hawks competed well. They, they did what they're supposed to do in this spot. They were, they were supposed to lose, quote-unquote, after, uh, you know, third game in four nights. It's a schedule loss in a lot of ways. Indiana took advantage of that and won the game, but not a bad not not a bad way to end the uh, 2018 slate for the Hawks still, and hopefully they'll continue to play as well as they have been playing over the last 10 games or so as they move into 2019. So, one programming note, we'll have, we'll have one more podcast before the next game. The Hawks play again on Wednesday. Wednesday night in Washington against a struggling Wizards team, and I have a podcast in the can and scheduled that's going to go up either Tuesday night or Wednesday morning, so please stay tuned for that with, an, with, with a special guest. That'll be fun. And uh, if nothing else, again, please subscribe to the pod. Please, please listen to the Travis Slank interview, all that fun stuff, and we'll see you guys later on in the week. Happy New Year.